0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are David slays the Goliath in this year's U.S. Open, Bob Huggins out at West Virginia, MJ selling off his stake in the Charlotte Hornets, the Phoenix Suns add a big piece to their starting lineup, the next line of NBA rookies wait to hear their names called at this year's NBA Draft. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade,
1: Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. We're here on a Thursday night uh, here in Delaware, Ohio. Back in the back in the studio. Um, real quick before we uh, before we get started on all of our topics here, uh, I'm gonna pay a quick tribute to our to our sponsor, uh, Betstamp. Uh, they can tell you where to where to sign up and uh, go go to our webpage where you can sign up for various sports books here available in in the Ohio area. And, you know get get all your promotion and, and free money so uh, listen to the commercial you can find out how to do that we'll be right back sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and i want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or get ahead having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time to sign up When you visit my page, signupexpert.com slash firedup, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through my link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand, Please consider signing up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com/slashfiredub. firedup. right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, like Matt mentioned before the break, going to quickly uh, recap the, the U.S. Open that took place this past weekend um by by the name of a guy named Wyndham Clark taking home the uh taking home the championship first major uh, title for him yeah first major title and you know taking down some of the some of the guys the best in the best in the business to to win it um you know held off uh a, a real you know big big crowd uh, Rory Rory McIlroy Scotty Scheffler you know Ricky Fowler all all those kind of big names or you know more well-known names in the in the golf game uh you know had their had their chances had their opportunities to you know, overtake uh, Wyndham here, but uh, ultimately he he came out on top. Uh, Matt, what's your what's your thoughts on on the U.S. Open? Yeah, it was, it was a
0: nice nice week of golf. But, you know, scores were were kind of close across the board, so mm-hmm. it stayed an entertaining tournament the whole way through. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's always exciting to keep it that way. Uh, and like you said, the, the the best in the world were up there in the top with Rory McIlroy, mm-hmm. Scotty Scheffler finishing second and third right there behind Wyndham Clark. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's always always good to see the stars rise to the top, but it's yep. also cool to see see a, a young guy get his get his first big victory there. A mm-hmm. uh, guy I talked about as being a potential dark horse in this one, though, and Phil Mickelson didn't fare so well. <laughs> yeah, he he ended up not making the cut. He uh, ended up at plus three. He had a good good round one. He yep, was uh, one. one under par, but. Started out his second day with a disaster. He boge- bogeyed three out of the first five holes. Mm, yeah. Had a double bogey on nine. Right, and just yeah. they just couldn't get it going. And right. Ended up not making the cut. So I, you know, I thought with his uh pedigree there and mm-hmm. this being the only major tournament he's never won, I you know I I thought he could be a dark horse for this thing, but right. it just didn't play out like I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. Uh... Obviously, we talked about it on the show, you know, the the first major, you know, kind of the the golfer's first, you know, look at this course because, you know, nobody had ever played it, you know, before prior prior to this. So it's kind of, you know, I think a little bit of a mixed bag. I think some of the players were, you know, OK. You know, there were other players that made some comments that they, you know, didn't really like the layout of the course or just didn't didn't, you know, didn't enjoy the course, you know, as much as some of the other courses that they're that they're used to just yeah, play a little bit more. I don't, I wouldn't say difficult, but just different than what they're used to seeing at some of the, some of the more well-known courses, um, you know, but it it was kind of, kind of interesting, you know, round one, you know, we had two 62s in, in round one, uh, you know, Ricky Fowler being one of those uh, that shot 62. And then Xander Shoffley was, was another one that shot 62. So, you know, it got off to a hot start and you thought, man. These guys are gonna kill this course. Right. Like this thing is, yeah, this is no challenge for anybody. But, um, you know, so yeah, first day or you know day one, there were a lot of low scores, a lot of guys, you know, down in the down in the negatives there. But then, you know, kind of after that, it was all you know kind of consistent, just kind of par golf and just kind of survive and advance type thing. Uh, you know, nobody really, you know, stood out or you know really made giant swings of you know as far as strokes go. Um, everybody kind of kind of stayed consistent where they were um, you know, after the first couple of days. So, you know, it, 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 uh, you know, shaped up to be, you know, pretty competitive, uh, U S open, but, uh, you know, Wyndham, Wyndham Clark. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, last year was ranked 293rd in the golf rankings last year. And, and prior to, you know, coming to coming into this tournament, his best finish in a major was tied for 75th. So, I mean, the guy essentially came, you know, essentially has come out of nowhere. I mean, He's been playing really good golf this year, but you know, you would have never guessed, you know, based on his experience in majors, um, you know, that he would, yeah, go out and go out and you know, win this thing. Um, you know, not only um would did you know his best finish in a major, you know, tied for 75th, but he's only made the cut in two two majors before, you know, before this one. So, you know, yeah, just not a lot of you know, not a lot of great, you know, good showing or whatever in the uh you know in the major tournaments. Uh, but again, he's been playing playing pretty consistent, pretty pretty good golf here. You know, in some of those other other tournaments that they play, you know, in between all the majors. Uh, so playing really really good golf. So you know, we'll we'll see what what he can do the the rest of the season. Um, you know, I think uh, for me, you know, uh, Ricky Fowler is one of the guys that you know I kind of consistently follow. or, You know, right. one of those one of those guys that I you know still like in the in in the PGA you know PGA tour. Uh, you know, so I was kind of kind of pulling for him to, you know, he, he again got off to a real hot start and played real well through, you know, the first three days. But man, that fourth day, it just, yeah, things got. I wouldn't say they got out of control, but just, you know, a bogey here, a bogey there. Just, yeah, wasn't wasn't the same guy, um, you know. And, and this is this is a, you know, and Ricky, he, this is a guy that has kind of fallen off the bandwagon. You know, has really, you know, after his kind of hot start when he, you know, first came onto the tour. Uh he's he's really taking a long, you know, long break uh from you know being up there towards the top. Um but you know, this this weekend he played he played great. We'll see if that's you know signs of good things to come. Um you know, obviously we got you know one more major left on the on the slate. That's you know the British the British open across the across the drink. Um, you know, I think just as disappointing, you know, Ricky is that he didn't, you know, didn't hoist the US open trophy. I think Rory McElroy probably just as you know disappointed uh you know coming into the last day kind of one or two strokes off the off the lead there uh you know got off to a good start birdie birdied the very first hole and then after that you know no birdies the rest Mm -hmm. of the way so it was kind of you know par par golf for for him the rest of the way and uh, it's a guy that you know we're obviously used to seeing you know be up towards the top of the leaderboard but he's going on nine years of not winning a major so um you know we'll see obviously uh you know, going back, you know, across the across the drink there, um, we'll see what what he could do in, you know, the British Open where he, you know, typically plays plays pretty well. You know, is more accustomed to those those courses over there. We'll see, you know, how that how that plays out for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the some of the guys that I had kind of talked about, you know, that I, that I thought you know might play well. Um, you know, most of them played you know played pretty pretty decent. You know, Scotty Scheffler was one of them. Uh, he finished third at, at 7 under. Roy McIlroy was another one I had talked about that I thought would would do well. Uh he finished obviously second at 9 under. Um <clears throat> Tyrell Hatton was another one. Uh he he finished 2 over but was still tied for 27th. Uh Victor Hovland finished dead dead even uh for the week and uh he finished finished 19th and then uh Hideki Matsuyama finished finished 3 over uh tied for tied for 32nd. So um, you know there, there was a lot of you know a lot of the big names and obviously this, this was the big the first major where uh, you know after the the kind of merger talk so right. you know a lot of the a lot of the guys you know first you know first major thing where they're all under one umbrella again um, you know and obviously I don't think there was too much you know controversy I think yeah that's still a big a big mystery a big question mm-hmm. uh, there's still a lot to be worked out with how that's gonna how that's gonna play out how that's gonna work Um, but uh, yeah it was kind of a Kind of a mixture of some of the live golfers, some of the PGA guys that were up towards the towards the top of, uh, you know, top of the leaderboard here. Um, so we shall see, like I said, one more major left on the left on the slate here. But, uh, you know, we got yeah you know, probably a handful of weeks before that takes place. So it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what what Clark, if he can finish, you know after this you you know impressive us open if you can follow it up with the with the british right. open victory yeah that'd be
0: pretty cool but you know i also got to give a shout out to la here they must have made a made a good impression on the pga it had been 30 years since they'd hosted the us open mm-hmm. and uh they've just announced today and I, I believe in the next five or six years they'll be hosting again so okay. Okay. so they must must have made a nice impression on the the uh, pga staff there to yeah to, i to think it's, it back to la
1: it, i think there is gonna have to be some some tweaks um uh, because from what i was reading they only let like every day or each day they only they only let they only sold like they're only allowed 22,000 tickets to be sold but from what I was reading is that most of those tickets were gobbled up by members of the club and like sponsors and like media people so really like the common fan or like the you know common person there was, like, only go. a handful of tickets, like, left available for them, and they were saying that, you know, it just, like, from a crowd perspective, it just wasn't the same because they limited the number of people, you know, that, that, that illustrious kind of 18th green on the final day, right. where it's, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder packed. Shoulder packed or whatever, just, it wasn't there because they didn't let, you know, as many people into the event or didn't, you know, allow as many many tickets to be sold as you know some of the other you know big big tournaments or right. you know majors in, in in the uh in the circuit so we shall see obviously yeah something different you know I, I think it was for me it was a little bit different just to see like some of the tea times were so late right. in the day you know eastern time they were so late late in the day you yeah, know i not used to seeing golf going on television that right, late. right evening yeah here, absolutely you know? it was you know Sunday obviously finished up eastern time it was like close to 10 10 30 before yeah. they finished up but obviously, you know, out there it was still, you know, daylight or, you know, still had some daylight, but yeah, it was just a little bit different to see yeah golf being played that late into the day, um, you know, into the somewhat the evening. Um, but you know, it, they made it work and you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, yeah, going forward, how many more, you know, kind of West coast events mm-hmm. or, you know, big tournaments that they, that they get because of, because of this. So, all right. Well, moving over from, from golf over to a different round ball. Uh pretty much basketball on the slate for the rest of the rest of the evening here. Um, a little bit uh, somewhat somewhat tragic news here. Um Bob Huggins, you know, longtime, you know, NCAA, you know, basketball coach um abruptly resigning from from West Virginia uh due to some circumstances off the off the mm-hmm. court. Uh you know, uh, unfortunately was arrested for for DUI this past this past weekend. Um you know, and just know, thought it was second
0: one and not a very long period. Of time right. Then.
1: Um, just felt it was best as a result of that to, you know, step down and, and, and resign from, you know, from the West Virginia, you know, men's basketball team as their, as their head coach. Um, you know, I think, you know, from what, what I'm reading and what I saw, you know, this may be, this may be the end of mm-hmm. his you know career. I think at this point, I mean, this is a guy that's, uh, almost, almost seventy years old. Yeah, uh, had forty-one years coaching in right. college basketball. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so this this may have spelled end, you know, for for you know Bob Huggins. You know, not only his his time at, at West Virginia, but maybe his time as as a head coach in the in the sport. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, it's something that I you know didn't didn't realize, but uh, you know Bob Huggins is is originally from Morgantown, which is mm. you know where West Virginia is located. Um, And then actually played for West Virginia in in college. So, you know, I learn a little something new every every day. Um, But, you know, I've been been at the helm at West Virginia for for the past 16 years, Um, you know, compiled a record of three hundred and forty five and two oh three. Um, you know this this guy obviously, yeah, like Matt said, been in the business for for a long time. Uh, Matt, what's your what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know the guy's got a, a career record of nine thirty five
0: four hundred fourteen that, that puts him right up there with, with some of the best to, to mm-hmm. ever you know hang a whistle around their neck. So, right. you know, he, he's definitely had a, a a Hall of Fame career, oh, yeah. and you know he's got two, got two Final Fours to his name. Mm-hmm. He's thirty four and twenty six and twenty six NCAA tournament appearances, mm-hmm. so. I mean, the the guy's done nothing but win, but you know, I, I, I get why he had to go to right. I mean right. just that it proves to be too much. You don't want that setting the example for mm-hmm. these for these young kids that he's gotta coach. Right. So right you know, I, I think he's I think this taints it a little bit, right the the, the controversy there, but I, I think in the end it's it's still a Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. He's still gonna go down as one one of the greatest of all time.
1: Right. Yeah, and then actually it's it's kind of interesting, um, you know, with, with Shashesky, you know, retiring, you know, two years ago and then, you know, Jim Beheim, you know, hanging it up after, you know, at the end of this, this past season, you know, Huggins was actually the, the active coach with the most wins in NCAA, you know, history, you know, finished with 935 wins in his, in his career. So, you know, yeah, at, at the time, because of the, you know, top two dogs retiring here. He was, you know, the, the active, you know, leading guy when it came to, you know, came to wins, but, you know, unfortunately I'm not not sure that he's going to be able to add to that legacy in, in this sense, but uh, you know, yeah, just, just shy of a thousand wins. Um, you know, this, this is a guy that, you know, before coming to West Virginia spent one season at Kansas state, but, you know, probably just as well known as, as his time in Cincinnati as the head coach there, uh, you know, from 1992 to 2005, um, you know, led led the Bearcats to fourteen straight NCAA tournament appearances while he was at Cincinnati, and you know, obviously Cincinnati's been you know a, a school that's you know kind of a kind of a basketball school, or, right. you know, it, it, but not one of the not one of the big names or the premier programs like a like a Duke or North Carolina, but uh, they were when he was there, right, though, right. When but when he was there, yeah, everybody knew you know knew Cincinnati, or you know, he was able to get the best out of out of the guys uh, that that he had on that roster, and I, I think that's been maybe his MO in, in college basketball, he he hasn't always had the most, you know, talented teams or, you know, the flashy guys or those, you know, high, you know, valued picks or, uh, you know, recruits, but he's still able to get, get the most out of them and, 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 you know, make them, make them more hard. And, 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 you know, I think mostly on the, on the defensive end, that's, that's where he likes to see guys get, get after it is mostly on the, the defensive side of things. So yeah, he's always, you know, usually able to take, you know, take his team and take, you know what what he's got and build it into something that yeah most people you know would have no idea or have no identity, but he's able to you know build that build that program or build the team you know no matter who he's who he's got in there. So it uh, yeah, unfortunate you know for him that you know had to go out go out this way uh, because you know from what I was hearing that this this upcoming season Probably may have been his may anyway. have been his last year anyways. Um, so yeah, just early you know early you know resignation for him you know kind of doesn't get somewhat of a farewell tour if you will but uh you know yeah unfortunate circumstances for him that you know that's this is how how it goes but uh you know for West Virginia kind of going you know going forward obviously they're going to be you know trying to find or you know scramble somewhat to find their you know new guy you know somewhat late late in the year late in the season i mean yeah college basketballs you know handful of months away from you know starting back up it's you know hard to believe so they, you know, gotta gotta get on it and get on it somewhat quick and
0: probably just roll with the assistant. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, 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 you know, from what I was seeing or whatever, they they didn't throw out the possibility of just you know promoting somebody in house. But from what I saw, they're gonna try to also you know see who they can find Good or you ruler. know what they can do in the the coaching free agency, if right. you will, um, as well. It just yeah, kind of tough because yeah, we're so late late in the game. It, it's yeah, gonna be hard to, to find you know somebody that. Maybe isn't hasn't been scooped up yet, or right. you know is is willing to make their way back into the coaching realm, or you know whatnot. So, uh, I think obviously, yeah, from West Virginia's perspective, they they got to get on it early because you know you, you don't want to start losing losing guys too. I mean, it it's real late in the season to be you know trying to rebuild a team completely from scratch if right. you know some of these guys decide to decide to leave or you know transfer to a different school. Um, you know, I, yeah, just. A, a real bad situation I think for for all parties involved you know West Virginia the players that are there and you know trying to find yeah somebody to you know replace him but I mean more than likely I I think it's probably going to be an internal promotion yeah. just makes the most sense and you know kind of you know step in and 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 kind of go you know roll with the punches here but uh we shall see what, uh, you know, what they decide to do. Um, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, we're, we're only a handful of months away from, you know, college basketball starting up.
0: So. Yeah, and a quick fun fact about Bob Huggins, at least for me and doing my research about yeah. him. He, uh, he started his head coaching career at Walsh university where I actually started my collegiate career. Okay, I yeah. uh, played a year of football there yeah, after, nice. after high school. So nice, yeah. we yeah. had that in common. Right. We,
1: we both uh, were athletes there at Walsh university, <laughs> right. North Canton, Ohio. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Gotta, gotta love that love that connection so uh that's that that's that's pretty cool um all right well i think that's enough about uh, about bob huggins uh moving over to uh, sticking with sticking with basketball but moving over to the to the nba uh, the goat of of you know the nba basketball michael jordan uh getting out of the uh the ownership business mm. if you will um you know has, has agreed to you know, sell his majority stake in the uh, you know the Charlotte Hornets. Um, he's not going to go home broke, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> sold his his majority stake for roughly three billion dollars. Guy bought it, you know, thirteen years ago. Bought it for roughly two hundred seventy-five million. Turned into three billion dollars. I'd say that's a pretty good investment. Um, you know, like I mentioned, you know, Jordan's been been the owner of the of the Hornets or the, you know the majority stake owner in the Hornets for the past you know thirteen seasons, but you know, as great as this guy was on the court, uh, his teams, you know, as as the owner have not been right. very good. Um, you know, this, this is a guy that obviously, yeah, won six NBA championships and, you know, five MVPs during his playing career. But, uh, you know, his Hornets teams have not been have not been good during his tenure. Um, you know, whether that's all on him or, you know, just, yeah, stroke of bad luck, uh, you know, that you could probably chalk it up to, a, bit bunch, a, a, a lot of different things. Um, Matt, what's your, thoughts? what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you chalked it up pretty well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with a 10 times your investment there. I right. mean, you can't fault him for selling. But, you know, even though he sold, he still kept a minority stake as well. So, right. I mean, he came in, he bought it for 275 with nothing. Right. He, he leaves with 10 times his investment and, and a partial stake still. So, right, right. And uh, he's actually he's uh, the one responsible for making the pick tonight, they said, even right. though he sold the the majority. They're still letting him make the pick tonight. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes. But, yeah. you know, he like said Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame playing career. Right. Not so much Hall of Fame ownership career. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, not everybody's cut out to be an owner. There's, right. there's a lot more to it than just knowing how to play basketball, mm-hmm. he can't go out there and do it himself. Right. And, right. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's had some bad luck on some of his draft picks. Right. I mean, highly, highly rated guys that just, just didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that happens. Right, what, what, right. There's not much you can do about it, but it sets you back. So, right. Right. There's, you know, I mean, I think given some more time, if he gets a couple draft picks, right. He, right. you know, he could have turned this into a hall of fame ownership right. career too, but right. You know, he, he's still a uh, owner there of the, uh, team team 23 racing team there right, so yeah, yeah
1: he's still he's still owning some he's still ma- in, major league sports right, stuff right so. he's still in the sports business yep. sports ownership business yeah i think you know yeah you hit it hit it nail on the head there i mean yeah for every lebron james that there is in the draft i mean there's equally you know there, there's a lot more guys that, that aren't that right. don't hit Just like never that make yeah it. don't don't pan out like you know like lebron you know so it's it's yeah very very tough business um you know since there's so many you know so few you know you only play five guys obviously right. on you know on the court at one time you know a lot less you know opportunity or a lot less you know a lot more chances to get it wrong than right. there are to get it right if you will uh, where you know football it's you know there's a lot more positions a lot more guys on the team a it's, lot more rounds to draft from. right so, I mean, right you, you could hit on a fifth sixth round in football right
0: you, you don't have that option right. in basketball. you got
1: two rounds in the yeah. nba and it's yeah you're, you're yeah very very limited and you know whatnot so yeah it's It's very slim, you know, margin of of error, if you will. Uh, So, yeah, it doesn't doesn't take much to not be able to, you know, have a a budding franchise, if you will. But, uh, you know, Jordan, obviously, uh, you know, it it is kind of, you know, somewhat disappointing for for the NBA. I mean, he was the league's only black majority owner Mm -hmm. as well. So he'll be, you know, giving that claim up. So at the moment, you know, no. No other, you know, black majority owners in the NBA currently. So, you know, no, uh, you know, no real diversity there. But uh,
0: so is that a win for them because he got 10 times? I mean, he he made such a big investment. Is, yeah. that, is that is that a win for the black community or is right. it a loss because they, they
1: lose the only owner? Or? Yeah, I think it I mean, probably, he made that choice. So. Mm-hmm, right. I think it's uh, I think I think that's probably more what they want is, you know, the, the, the power, yeah, you know, kind of that, that, that authority or, you know, kind of that title to be, you know, the voice somewhat for the black community at, at such a it sounds a like he might position. even be
0: keeping some of that as a minority owner right. if letting them make the pick tonight. Right.
1: Yeah. I think they're still he's still got some say or he's right. still there. And just yeah, without that. He, official he may have title. worked this thing
0: out perfectly to where yeah. he's still got some say mm-hmm. and he's still right kind of
1: running the show without right. without having the,
0: the the
1: uh everything on him, yeah, you know kind of deal. His, you know, the target on his yeah. head type deal. Yeah. So we'll see you know what what happens uh you know sold it uh to you know the two guys that kind of led it it was like a group kind of a group effort that took over his stake Mm -hmm. uh, his majority stake but kind of the two guys that are going to be somewhat of like the the owner the new owners if you will uh Gabe Plotkin who's actually the current minority owner of the Atlanta Hawks and then uh Rick Schnall uh who's Already a minority owner of the Charlotte Hornets, so he just basically kind of elevates right. himself, has a few more stocks in the in the team, if you will. So did they say did the Hawks owner have to
0: sell his shares there? I No, I, I think it I seems think, odd that you'd be able to own two. Yeah, two I think um,
1: I think as long as yeah you're not majority owner of two teams, I think if as long as you're you know kind of split minority owner, you oh. know majority owner, just because I think. With that majority owner stake, you obviously are making all, all this. You have the overruling, you know, power yeah. to say, you know, if it comes down to a a fifty fifty vote type thing, because you're the majority yeah. owner, you get the, you know, the final say on what what happens. So I would assume, because he's the minority owner, you know, in the in the Hawks, that because he's not the majority owner, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, he he's able to, you know somewhat have both if you will um so interesting it's uh yeah interesting you know yeah these guys you know have that amount of money to be able to do you know all this or you know own stakes and multiple teams but uh if
0: you can't be the majority for one you might as well be the minority for two right
1: yeah exactly uh you know and then you know i was talking to somebody the other day you know if if i had the money if i was you know stupid rich like you know some of these guys were uh you know hands down you know owning a sports team is is you know, from my experience or from like, you know, reading a lot of this stuff, it's it's one of the hands down no-brainers as far as, you know, investment goes, because it you know, I mean, you look at the Hornets over the 13 mm-hmm. seasons that he's owned the team, they've had maybe a couple of even winning seasons right. and, and have yeah. made the playoffs, but they don't it's not like they go far in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The guy bought it for 275 million and just sold it for three right. billion dollars. And the team, you know, the Hornets have not been a good franchise. So even the worst of the worst franchises you hold it for a certain amount of years, you're going to, at the very minimum, get your money back, right. but probably exponentially increase so A lot of owners
0: say that. That's kind of a falsehood, though, because you, you lose so much money mm-hmm. every year. I mean, yeah. owners don't make a lot of money mm-hmm. per season. I, yeah. I mean, that's why they're always complaining, you know, the players want more of a stake, mm-hmm. but, but the owner takes all the risks. So right, it's, right it's not a huge return on investment every year Mm -hmm. but like you said if you get to that point where you can sell that team it's like real estate you
1: know you hold it for a certain amount of years and when it's time to you know when you're out of the business or ready to give it up you can almost bet it's you're you're gonna like i said at least make your money back but more than likely you know 95 99 percent of the time you're gonna you know exponentially increase what you (laughs) paid for it so um so yeah it's you know something obviously yeah if i had that had stupid money to throw around like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be, you know, hopping on, hopping on some, somebody's sports team or trying to, you know, become, become an owner of a, of a team, but you know, Jordan, Jordan hanging it up here, but you know, still going to be involved in the, in the Hornets, you know, franchise or, you know, around the game of basketball, obviously. So we shall see how it, how it goes, you know, for this Hornets franchise, you know, under the, under the new, new ownership, see if they can, you know, get things turned around, you know, kind of starts, Somewhat starts tonight, you know, with the with the with the draft, and we'll talk about that here in a, a little bit. With the with the Hornets having the number, you know, the number two pick in this year's draft, so we'll see. Uh, you know, obviously Jordan still going to be the one that's controlling that and you know making that pick. Uh, so we'll we'll see if that's enough to you know start steering this this Hornets team in the in the right direction, or you know if the if it continues with you know bad draft picks or you know picks right. that just don't pan out. So. All right, well, we're going to take a uh, real quick commercial break. Uh, Stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Sticking with the NBA before we talk about the rookies, the NBA rookies. We're going to talk about some veterans that are on the, on the move yeah. here uh, the Phoenix Suns just swung a deal to uh, bring Bradley Beal from the East Coast out to the West Coast. Here, uh, that—that's right. The Phoenix Suns uh, bringing you know shooting guard Bradley Beal, uh, guard Jordan Goodwin, and uh, power forward Isaiah Todd to you know to Phoenix, while they send uh, you know point guard Chris Paul, uh, shooting guard Landry Shamit, multiple second-round picks, and then multiple pick swaps mm-hmm. in the uh, you know the next you know year's drafts uh matt what's your thoughts on this on this trade you know good good for the suns you know think it puts them over the top to finally win a championship or what do, what do you think you know i don't know
0: i I don't know that offense was what the suns needed and that's mm-hmm. what bradley Beal brings you he's yeah. he's not the best defender in the nba or mm-hmm. anything like that where i think chris paul was that better distributor you know court general right. i i felt like chris paul fit what they're trying to do a little better because mm-hmm. they got kd you know right. they, they've got booker right you know, I, I don't know that they needed Beal, mm-hmm. but, you know, we'll see how it works out. Right. But man, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, Washington getting six second round picks mm-hmm. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 30. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, four first round pick swaps. Yep. I don't know that any of those will play out. I feel like the Suns will always be better than, than mm-hmm. Washington. Right, so, right. It, the, you know, those pick swaps will probably never happen. Right. But, uh, you know, and then. If you look at the Wizards, it just came out today. They, they didn't hold on to Paul very long. and They're mm-hmm. actually shipping him off to Golden State for Jordan Poole mm-hmm. and a 20, 2030 Top 20 protected first-round pick and a 2027 second-round pick. Mm-hmm. So, man, Washington's really stacking up on these second-round picks. Right, uh, right. We'll see what they can make out of this. I think Jordan Poole was probably even a, a little better for, for Washington as a young franchise trying to rebuild mm-hmm. than somebody like Chris Paul who – He's gonna hang around, He yeah, anyway. Doesn't want to be there. He, yeah. he wants a chance to win a championship. So right. good, good for both of them because, mm-hmm. you know, getting Chris Paul there in Golden State gives him a, a little bit of
1: an opportunity there. Yeah.
0: I'm not really sure how he fits in that that guard-heavy yeah. offense we'll, either, though. We'll,
1: we'll talk about that next on next week's show with that, you know, with that trade. Um, but yeah, with looking at looking at this one, I'm 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 totally on board with you, Matt. I'm I'm not sure that I am am thrilled with this this move by the Suns because. I get it, you know Chris Paul aging, you know just shy of forty years old. I, I get it, he, you know he, he, how many good seasons does he have in him? Is he really a true starter in the NBA? I, I don't know, uh, you know. So I, I think it somewhat makes sense from that perspective. I just don't know that adding another weapon as far as offense goes was was the you know was was the was the play here for right. the Suns. Uh, I mean, because again, I don't think it was their their starting lineup was not the problem. It was their depth after that. I mean, they had, they, they played out of any team in the NBA, their starting lineup played the most minutes of any NBA team. So there was a significant drop-off when they had to go to their bench. Now you add another guy to the mix who's still got $207 million left on his contract in the four players between Bradley Beal, uh, you know, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, they got $163 million committed to just those four players for this upcoming season. And what do, do we know what the cap number is? Uh, I I believe I don't, I'm not sure what the cap is, but I know they're at kind of that second level, like right. tier. Anybody they're bringing in is like yes. bottom, yes. bottom from what bottom I was seeing. Basically what they have to fill the roster with the rest of the way is basically league minimum contracts. Yeah, What quality of guys you get in there, you know, it, it's guys that again are aging that are, Somewhat maybe on their way out or, you know, just trying to Hang
0: chase on. chase a ring or, yeah. you
1: know, whatever. What you know, I, I just don't know that, yeah, you've you've set yourself up, I think, again, build a younger starting lineup. You know, you get rid of Chris Paul and bring in a younger guy and Bradley Beal, but I think you're still in the same situation of the sense that when you have to put one of those starters on the bench, right. who the heck are you bringing in that's going to be, you know, worth a darn? Because well, like,
0: maybe Bradley Beal's better off coming off the bench for them. He can, you know, right. rest be Booker, let unit. those two yeah. guys, you right. know, be the be like that. But the I, I don't see that kind of contract. No, no. sitting
1: on the bench, right? Man. Yeah, with with two hundred and seven million, two hundred and seven million dollars. You know, that's yeah, tough pill to swallow. Right. To you know, have that guy, you know, on the on the bench, um, you know. It uh, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be interesting. You know, obviously, yeah, the 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 Suns had to throw pretty much all their picks at this to get it because they already didn't have any first round picks to offer to the Wizards because with the trade that they brought Durant. over Kevin Durant, they basically exhausted all of their first round picks that they had uh, to, to you know to bring Kevin Durant over from from the Brooklyn Nets. So, so, so Phoenix better win one and win this one is, now. Yeah, I or think or this is probably even more than the LA Rams. This is the ultimate win. We're all in type deal. We're you know all have a
0: pick for another five, six years.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And like I said, it's your your margin of error in the NBA is a lot smaller than it is in the NFL when you don't have first, you know, first and even now second round picks to I mean they're basically not drafting at all for the next, you know, several years unless obviously things don't pan out, you know, as the NBA goes. You know, it's a real quick business of turning around and, you know guys on a team one year and the next year he's, you know, on a different team and you've traded picks and, you know, got picks back and, you know, whatever. So it's, yeah, a, a pretty, you know, high speed business of, you know, trading guys around, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is, you know, I, obviously, yeah, the guy, you know, Bradley Bill's an offensive juggernaut, a weapon that, you know, they can, they can use, but I just, yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily what they needed, um, you know, on this, on this team, because at the end of the day, there's only one basketball. Only, only one guy could shoot it, you know. Every possession, so right. only so much, you know, basketballs that can go around. When you got, you know, Booker, Durant, and and now Bradley Beal, who you know are shooters, all right. of them are shooters. You know, gotta have the ball obviously in their hand to be shooters. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this how this dynamic works. I think with having if if they could have somehow kept Chris Paul on the roster. I think that's the guy that's the glue guy that you know kind of distributes it you know like you said that keeps keeps everything going like a somewhat of a well oiled machine but you know with him him gone obviously that you know you lose that that veteran leadership that that piece with the sun so it will be it will be interesting to see how this all you know plays out I mean yeah Beal is a is like I said a scorer a guy that's you know you know gives you twenty twenty five you know he can even average you know thirty plus you know a night if you know he gets gets hot and and i think again it makes sense for the wizards you know bradley beal was drafted you know drafted by the wizards you know with the number three overall pick you know several you know several years ago but this is a team that yeah has not been good for a while you know they kept beal on the roster as kind of their you know benchmark but i think it's yeah total rebuild or full Mm. rebuild for this wizards team you know makes sense to just yeah get rid of your veteran guy you know send him to a team where he can actually you know contribute or you know have a, have a chance to really do something, right. or you know, to a contending team, uh, because actually Bradley Beal had to basically waive his no trade mm-hmm. clause to allow this you know trade to go to go through in the first place. Uh, but you know, I, I, again, I think it's gonna you know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't I don't know how many how many more points you can score in an NBA game. Mm-hmm. I think the Suns got the offense covered. I just yeah, when it comes to depth and, and defense. Right. I, I don't know where this, where, you know, where it's going to come from. Yeah, it, I mean, at this the, point. the Suns
0: making a move for a guard. I think they would have been better off making a trade with Boston, who, mm-hmm. who just shipped out um, a, Marcus Smart. Yeah, Marcus Smart, one right. of the best defenders in the league. Mm-hmm. A deal like that seemed to me would have made more sense right, than, right. Than, than what they ultimately pulled
1: off. Here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we will, we will see, you know, again, you know, the Wizards, you know, this move is obviously going to be many, many years in the future before we know. Who truly won this deal? Mm-hmm. I think the Suns are going to see. Obviously, they're, they're hoping they get instant results right. because that's. I think that's the whole reason that they pulled off this trade. But when it comes to the Wizards, yeah, with all these draft picks, you know, if they keep, I will them, say
0: they're all second
1: rounders too. Right. You,
0: typically, second rounders in the NBA don't sometimes I don't mean, even. Don't, yeah, no, they don't even ever make the team. The they team, don't make the so. team.
1: So we we sh- you know we'll see with this Wizards. You know, do they keep these picks? Are they trying to swing it to you know then trade it for? you know other veterans to bring right. there or you know what's what's their mindset uh, so i think yeah to truly see who win or you know won this trade i think you're going to you know have to wait you know a couple of years to right. see what the wizards do with either drafting some guys if they choose to use these picks or if they you know trade them who they get in return for some right. of these some of these picks but um, yeah we'll we'll see if the suns you know if it pays off for them like i said i think it's it's all in win winner go home for them in this in this sense um, so we uh, we will see what they what they decide to do uh, on how, how it plays out this this season again. You know the NBA just just finished up, but you know we got the, the next uh, you know wave of rookies coming in, and you know the, the NBA season will be right right back upon us, and you know starting up here you know in October. So you know just a, a handful of months away, we'll be you know seeing how this uh, you know how this plays out for the Suns. So all right, well <clears throat> yeah, like I mentioned the draft, you know, taking place tonight, actually going to be happening here in a short few moments. We're going to hear, you know, the number one pick, uh, you know, you know, hear his name, you know, called and, um, you know, we talked about, uh, picks one through seven last week. We'll, we'll wrap up kind of the lottery, uh, lottery picks for the NBA draft with, uh, picks eight through 14, you know, similar style to what we did, what we did last week. Just go, go right down the list. Um, and, you know, talk to a, a team that we just, you know, talked about, the Washington Wizards, picking at number, you know, number eight. Uh, you know, a team that finished thirty-five and forty-seven last year. Uh, you know, looking to, you know, add a, a key piece to their, you know, to their roster that's looking to be rebuilt after, you know, sending Bradley Beal out. Uh, Matt, what do you, what do you think about this pick? Who, who do you like the Wizards to take here?
0: Yeah, well, I mean Washington, obviously picking number eight. They need a little bit of everything, right. so I, I don't think they can go wrong just about anywhere mm-hmm. in, the, in this top top uh, area here but I, I think they're going to go after a drossy walker power forward out of houston okay for a big he can shoot the three he attacks off their gerbil washington needs a playmaker and a defender and walker does both pretty exceptionally well so mm-hmm. you know I, I think he'd be a great pickup there for washington
1: yeah yeah i get uh, the the other thompson brother uh a sewer thompson uh, the guard from the overtime elite uh you know uh, team a six foot six 218 eighteen uh, pound guard um you know, I think a guy that somewhat fits in now that they just got rid of, you know, Bradley Beal, if the guy is still available at number eight, I think, yeah, would be a nice, nice guy to fill in that, you know, kind of has a lot of the same, you know, qualities or traits that, that Bradley Beal had, you know, kind of an explosive, you know, great play, playmaking ability. They could, you know, slot in, you know, pretty, pretty well for for the Washington Wizards, um, you know, if, if uh, you know, if he's there to, to take um, so uh moving over uh to the west uh the utah jazz picking picking number nine uh a team that finished 37 and 45 just just narrowly missed out on the uh the play-in tournament out west
0: and really started the season as one and started one of the out best hot. In the NBA. yeah yeah I mean. started
1: out hot after you know obviously they they traded away you know donovan mitchell and rudy gobert mm-hmm. last year you know somewhat cleaned house but still we're getting pretty decent results for some of the guys that they brought in but you know, ultimately, just kind of, kind of fell off towards the towards the end of the season. Just, you know, weren't weren't able to keep that that success going. But uh, you know, like I like them to uh, bring in a guy, uh, you know, from from Central Florida. Uh, you know, freshman six foot eight, two hundred fourteen pound uh, forward uh, Taylor Hendricks, a uh, guy that actually, you know, for for his size can actually shoot it pretty well from the outside. Uh, but you know, he's got the ability. He's got a long, you know, pretty long wingspan. A guy that yeah can can match up. I think. Uh, with with kind of smaller forwards down in the paint because of that extra wingspan, uh, but then you know also can spread the floor with his you know perimeter game. You know, I like the I like the big man out of out of Central Florida to you know head over to the to the Jazz and you know slot in there for for a Jazz team that's looking to. You know, keep keep rebuilding on you know after the Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert era. <clears throat> yeah,
0: yeah, I, I like Utah to go after uh, Anthony Black here, the point guard, slash shooting guard out of Arkansas. I, I think he fits in nicely with Utah. He's he's got good size for his position there mm-hmm. at the guard and uh, passes the ball really well. Plays great defense. I think that'd fit in. Utah doesn't need a ton of scoring. They they, mm-hmm. they actually held their own on the offensive side of the mm-hmm. ball last mm-hmm. year. I, I think
1: some defensive help would would really help here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, sticking in the west and moving over to uh you know my my team that i like to like to follow that's the dallas mavericks picking at number 10 uh again i think uh everything that i'm hearing it's more likely the mavericks will not be keeping this pick mm-hmm. it, it sounds like that they're doing everything that they can to trade this pick to try to pick up a veteran you know a veteran guy of some sort to add to the add to the mix so we we shall see but you know i think if they if they do keep this pick uh, i think maybe a. Uh, maybe a guy that's a little bit of a, of a raw talent. Um, and that's, you know, Victor Wimbenyana's teammate, uh, over there, over there in France, uh, Bilal Kualabi, um, six foot eight, 194 pound, uh, you know, forward out of the, out of France. Uh, but it's a guy that, you know, six foot eight, but got a seven foot two wingspan, uh, super, super athletic. I think at the same time, you know, the Mavericks are, you know, obviously a team that, you know, I think They're probably one or two players away from, you know, making a real, real push there. Uh, But I think they do have a a decent team that they could bring in, you know, Kualabi here. And and he doesn't have to necessarily be a guy that contributes, you Mm -hmm. know, right away, if you will. Uh, I mean, I think this is a guy that's kind of a raw talent uh, coming in, coming into this that I think is going to take, you know, maybe a year or so to to develop. Uh, I like I like the guy out of France to, you know, slot in there. If the Mavericks choose to to keep this pick,
0: yeah. no, to me, if the Mavericks choose to keep this pick, I, I think they go with somebody that'll make you very happy. Mm-hmm. It's the center out of Duke, Derek Lively, the yeah. second. Yeah. I think he'd be a nice big to play the pick and roll game with mm-hmm. Kyrie and Luca. Yeah. I, I think he'd really help space the floor, and mm-hmm. he could he could be that center of the future there for, for the Dallas right. Mavericks.
1: Yeah, and definitely a guy that can you know protect the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was was uh, you know a shot blocking you know prodigy this past you know his one. One year in college basketball, yeah, a great rim rim protector. So, yeah, be be you know somebody that they they need on both you know both ends of the floor, um, you know, to be in that pick and roll game and get you know easy buckets, uh, you know, down down low, and then you know be the guy on the other end that you know does the dirty work of cleaning up the boards and um, you know getting those key those key stops and key blocks in the in the paint. Uh, moving over to the eleventh pick, um, a team that yeah has two picks here, kind of in the in the lottery. That's the Orlando Magic. Um, you know they they finished you know 34 and 48 last year again just kind of narrowly narrowly missed out on the, the play in tournament out out in the east uh, but this is a team that you know I, I think for me I, I got the uh, the guy out of out of Kansas Grady Grady Dick slotting into this position here uh, six foot six two hundred and four pound forward uh, this is a magic team that that you know as well as they as much as they improved and you know we're we're a much better team than what we've seen in, in years past. Uh, still a team that finished 25th in three-point percentage last year. Uh, you know, Grady Dick last year for for Kansas shot 40% from three-point line. Uh, so I think, you know, can slot slot in for a Magic team that's looking for a true outside threat or a guy that, you know, after, you know, uh, Paolo Banquero or, or Franz Wagner, you know, kind of dishes it out, you know, has somebody to dish it out to if right. they, you know, get get in trouble. You know, somebody that can knock down, you know, the outside shot pretty consistently. I like I like the guy out of Kansas and, and Grady Dick to, to to head to the Magic and you know slot in pretty nicely.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll say this is, is one of the first ones since like the first two picks that we're on the same page All here because right. I, I got Grady Dick as well, the, the small forward out of Kansas. He's one of the best shooters in this draft, and I think you pair that with the playmakers that Orlando has, mm-hmm. where you know they can get into the lane and right.
1: t- toss it out to a wide open for a wide open three. I, yeah, that could just be deadly, right? Yeah, an absolute yeah recipe for for good things, uh, you know, on the offensive end for for a Magic team. So, uh, moving over, then continuing continuing on, we got uh, the twelfth pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, forty and forty two. You know, made it into the play in tournament, but didn't you know didn't advance out. Um, you know, I. I for me, these next kind of three picks, you know, twelve through fourteen, I, I you know went back and forth with the three guys. Like I had one of them in one spot, then I went back and forth. You know, I, I have them somewhat interchangeably, twelve through fourteen here. That could be the case, or I could be completely wrong. But with the Oklahoma City Thunder, I like the, the guard out of out of Michigan in, in Kobe Bufkin to to take the take the spot here. Uh, a six foot four, one hundred and eighty seven pound guard. Um, you know, he actually spent his you know leading up to the draft, uh, spent some time with current Oklahoma city player, uh, shy Gilgis Alexander. And from what I'm, what I'm hearing was able to somewhat hold his own against, you know, one of the better guards or, you know, guy that's a, a scoring machine for that, for that Oklahoma city thunder team. I think, uh, yeah, Kobe Bufkin could be, you know, a nice, a nice piece to, to add to this, you know, young Oklahoma city thunder team that, you know, surprisingly was, was, was pretty good, you know, for his, you know, many young guys and, as many draft picks as they've had or, you know, first round picks as they've had here recently. I think they uh, maybe started their rebuild a little bit quicker than what, you know, what people thought were, was, was going to happen. But I think they they continue that and add, you know, uh, an elite guard out of, out of Michigan in, in Kobe Buffkin. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I got OKC okay, going with a guy you picked there at number 10 in Dallas, Balai uh I, you know, just because of the upside here, I mean, like I said, okay, see, they, they made the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. I mean, I know it was just playing tournaments, so technically not the playoffs, right. but you know, they, they've got offensive weapons, they've got scorers, and they're, they're young and they're only going to get better. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they can afford to, to take have a, a, little, a little, little rawer risk. piece yeah. here, take yeah. a little more of a risk. And yeah. I think this would be a great fit here at that spot.
1: All right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We'll
1: see what the, what the thunder decide to do. Uh, Moving to the 13th pick, uh, the Toronto Raptors who, you know, just added their new new head coach, uh, this, this upcoming year. So we'll see what, uh, what, what the Raptors decide to do in, in this franchise, uh, you know, a, a team that finished, you know, 41 and 41 last year. And, you know, again, made the, made the play in tournament, but, uh, you know, wasn't able to advance out and, you know, a team that we're used to seeing make the playoffs and make, you know, some, some deeper runs in the mm-hmm. playoffs, but just, you know, wasn't in the cards uh, for a Raptors team that, you know, the rosters, you know, a lot different than, you know, what we've seen, you know, just a handful of years ago with that NBA championship. So they are, you know, continuing somewhat to, you know, reshape or revamp their, their lineup. Um, you know, for me, I think they, they, they take the the big man out of, out of Duke here in, in Derek Lively, the second seven foot one, 230 pound guy. Um, you know, like I said, excellent rim protector, a guy that, uh, yeah, he's going to going to protect that rim with a seven foot seven wingspan. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously a seven foot two, you know, Frame, uh, yeah, a guy that I think you'll know, slot in nicely for for a Raptors team that I think is going to continue to be one of the more elite defensive teams in the league. I think adding adding a big piece like that um, on on the defensive side continues to you know, help this Raptor squad. <clears throat> gotcha. Well, you know, at 13, I got them
0: going with the guy you just had at 12. So All I'm, right, I'm right. kind of
1: like one down
0: from you yeah, here. Yeah. I got that uh, Kobe Bufkin going there, point guard shooting guard out of Michigan. I think with the, the departure of Fred Van Vliet, you know, opting in to, to go into free agency there. Uh, yeah. Toronto definitely needs a guard here. And I, I think uh, Bup, Bufkin would fit in nicely.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of when I went back and forth or, you know, whatever. But when I had Buffkin going off the board, you know, at number 12, that, you know, kind of left me left me with a little bit less options or whatever but even at 14 you know moving over to the, the last pick or the, you know the 14th pick we'll talk about here and that's the New Orleans pelicans who you know made again made the play in tournament but you know wasn't able to advance out um, you know I, I kind of went back and forth I, I had this guy at the 13th pick but then you know ultimately decided to put him at 14 and that's uh, Jalen Hood Shafino the guard out of out of Indiana uh, six foot four 217 pound guard. But a guy with a six foot 10 wingspan, uh, a guy that I think, yeah, again, is uh, from a defensive standpoint, you know, with that long wingspan, you know, going to be able to defend not only on the perimeter, but, you know, get some, get some, alter, alter some shots, you know, off the dribble, down in the paint. Uh, But a guy that also has, you know, great, uh, you know, uh, on the offensive end, you know, great, great playmaking ability, ability to score, score the ball uh, for this, for this Pelicans team. I think, I, I don't know that he necessarily has to come in right away and be, the guy as far as you know scoring I think they got plenty of that in in this Pelicans team but I think his defensive prowess I think that will play a a big from the guard position will play a big factor in his his contributions to this Pelicans team this year well one we started the same at 14 we
0: end the same because I I got Jalen Hood Shafino going here as well he's just a a good combo guard he shoots well he defends well I think he's the best available player at this point in the draft
1: I think New Orleans takes him there yeah absolutely well we're only a handful of minutes of, you know, seeing who, who the number one pick is. And I don't think it'll be anybody, you know, any surprise at Mm -hmm. this point, but uh, we'll see how, you know, how we did here, you know, how, how it plays out, how, you know, how we think it's, you know, how we thought was going to play out, see how close we are to, you know, picking it, picking it right. But uh, you know, it, it, it will be, be interesting here, but. All right, well, that's uh, all we got for, for tonight's show. We uh, Thanks for listening to Fired Up with your host, Colton Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or you got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, uh, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. Uh, we do have an Instagram, at um, Fired Up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for Fired Up, Sports Podcast. And as always you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and you know just a little bit of information about about the show um, and you can find this episode and all of our past episodes as well on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of so Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora so any of the major players in the in the podcast game you can you can find our show so uh, give us a listen we we'd love to love to hear from you so As always, though, stay fired Fired up. up.